Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Hey guys, Rick Roberts here. This is the School of Last Podcast. Today, I've got an interview with Peter Margaritas, the accidental accountant. He's got a new book out all about using improv to help your business skills. Great listen. And if you enjoy what you hear, uh, check the show notes out and you can click on his link to check out more about him and his book. This conversation took place back in the summer at the National Speakers Association Conference in Washington, D.C. And as it turns out, I knew Pete way back in my days in Columbus, Ohio. And really, just before I jump into the interview, just wanted to say thanks for listening. Whether it's your first time or you've been here for all 80 episodes, I hope you're getting something out of it and you continue to listen and leave us those iTunes reviews. I appreciate that. One thing I can do for you that you may not be aware of is put you on the Insider Tips Sheet newsletter. What that is is a newsletter that comes out twice a month with podcast recaps, blog recaps, and also links to articles about stand-up comedy that's all over the internet. I kind of gather them all together, put them in one spot so you can click the link, read some interesting stories, at least 15 or 16 stories every single time the newsletter comes out. I appreciate it and I hope you enjoy the interview with Peter Margaritas. I've got a great guy who's got a new book out. The book is called Improv is No Joke and I've realized we've maybe talked about my past and improv a tiny bit on the show but we haven't really dug into it and all the great things it can do. But I want to go back. I met Peter It's we just kind of talked it out over 15 years ago and maybe as, as long as 18 or 20 years ago when I lived in Columbus, Ohio. And at that time, I worked with an improv troupe called Midwest Comedy Tool and Die. And there were also a couple other improv groups around town. One was uh, MC Squared, which was a spinoff of MCTD. There was The Outpatients. Well, at that time, when we we met, I was doing um, open mic nights. I was doing Mm stand-up. And through the stand-up, I met one of the, was George Caliotis was yeah, with... Yeah, George Pete Caliotis. Yes. He was with uh, Tool and Die? Yeah, he was in the MC Squared and kind of Tool and Die groups, uh, yeah. And, and George was one who introduced me to improv. He was putting on workshops at the time, and I started attending them and actually fell in love with improv. So this is about 95, 97 at the time, and he'd introduced me to these workshops. One day after a workshop, I went up to him and said, George what you're teaching here applies to business. Actually, George and I did form a, a company for a while called The Group Mind. That's right. That's what I was trying to remember. Yeah. The Group Mind. The Group Mind. And we were doing some corporate um, training in Columbus. I don't remember what year it was. Uh, I was teaching at uh, the Ohio Dominican University at the time. <laughs> George left uh, Columbus and went to L.A., where he currently still is, right. uh, working at I.O. Improv Olympics, yep. yeah, yeah. And so the company kind of fell apart at that time, but I just kept adopting these principles, and, and actually the more I adopted it, the more I worked with it day in and day out, I started seeing some pretty remarkable changes in, in my life. And it just got to the point that it became second nature that I, I found out by using improv, everything's attainable. Right. Because... You've got that inner critic in your head that's telling you, yes, but you can't do this. Well, as you well know, in improv, there's two key words called yes and. Mm-hmm. And it's not about a, a, 
It's about agreeing, but not about agreement. But yes, and keeps conversations going. Yes, and helps silence that inner critic that stops us from doing something. Right. That, I know there's that inner. There's a lot of those inner critics. Yes. There's a no, you can't do that. There's a what if you did that? That's not going to be cool. And what what will people think if you fail at it? That's the one that I had to silence, and it still speaks up quite a bit. But those things you have to get under control. And in improv, you can't think like that at all in the workshop, on stage, in front of people. And you found that you could take that throughout life, just in your everyday encounters. And if somebody threw a crazy idea at you, you could at least say, yeah, and how would that look? Exactly. And what would that look like? So you could at least, if it truly is a crazy idea, you could have them verbalize a little bit more and see what they're trying to see and maybe take some of the stigma off of it, right? Exactly. Um, Or if, if there's something that you want to attain. So one thing you didn't bring up is I am a CPA. Yes. I'm not a practicing CPA. Actually, my, my business is called The Accidental Accountant. Yeah, and let's tell, tell me how you got into that particular catchphrase, because I think it's great that you can define yourself, but what does that mean for folks that don't know you? Well, actually, it was, it was during a review when I was at Victoria's Secret Catalog. I didn't work there as a model. I worked in finance. Well, you tell me that you were just reviewing the catalog? No. <laughs> no, I, no, I think I, a lot of people do that. Well, yes. <laughs> and? Yeah. I, read, I, read, I read the articles primarily. <laughs> right. In the, I was working for them, and my boss, it was time for my performance review. And she said, how in the heck did you ever become a CPA? CPAs can get down and dirty into that detail, and I can only get you... Oh, so far. You're an accidental accountant. Gotcha. And I looked her square in the eyes. I said, thank you very much. That will be my business name, and I will have it trademarked, and both of them have come true. That's crazy. So (laughs) she was kind of giving you a backhanded compliment in a way, like you're pulling it off, but how in the world did you get to that spot? Exactly. Um, I'm very much a right brain person. Mm -hmm. I I didn't get into accounting until I was like 30 years old, which is kind of late most CPAs or accountants that come right out of college. And what did you do before that? Well, my last name is Margaritas, not Spanish. It ends in an I-S. It should be pronounced like margaritas, like hepatitis, gingivitis, <laughs> laryngitis. Right. So I spent most of my life in customer service. Okay. Uh, I, was a, I, I was living in Florida at the time, and I was a banker, and uh, bankers are salesmen. Yes. That's what they are. They yes. sell, and I learned a ton of skills during that six years I was a banker. And then we, we lost the, uh, we, our bank had taken over, boss lost his job, he was selling used cars, made a comment to me, he goes, Pete, you have some analytical, why don't you go try to get an um, uh, accounting degree and, and, and do something with it? And in Florida, I, I was trying to get into an accounting program, but my uh, GMAT scores, those scores, because I wanted to do it from a master's level, you had to have a 500 or greater. And mine were so bad that even if the person who was looking at the screen was transferring that number to a piece of paper had dyslexia, uh, I still wouldn't get to 500. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I found Case Western Reserve, which was a private university in Cleveland, and they accepted me, and I came out with a master's degree in accountancy, um, went to work for Price Waterhouse, uh, earned my, my, the three letters behind my name, CPA, and from day one, I was I was the redhead stepchild. Mm-hmm. I did not fit in. I was I was very different. I mean, because things a little about, more creative than the average. Uh, uh, yeah, a lot more creative <laughs> and, and much more communicative uh-huh. than than um, most accountants. And, and actually, true story. Um, I got a, one of my reviews. I was getting promoted, and you know you're never supposed to talk about money. Well, I knew that my my review was great, but my increase was not that large. Didn't match. Didn't match. Thank uh-huh. you. 
And I um, went to the tax partner and I asked him, and th these are, I can, I can still hear him say, these are the exact words. Pete, we hired you at a premium out of Case Western Reserve, and we're going to amortize that premium over the next three years to get you in line with everybody else. <laughs> Lack of communication skills. Yeah. And then yeah. my eyes rolled in my head, and he looked at me and said, you think you can find a job that makes more money? Go after it. Oh, wow. man, I felt loved. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to depreciate your value exactly. over the next three years because he paid too much up front for an unproven kid right out of college. Exactly. Wow. So, so you had a couple of, I mean, that performance review plus your one of Victoria's Secrets, did, was there a point where you thought, I'm never going to go to another performance review because <laughs> I'm over for 2 here? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, did do an, I did do another one, and, and I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm one for two. Gotcha. So you got out of that job for Price Waterhouse, and how long between that or Victoria's Secrets was the next move for you? Yeah, next, next move for me. And you can't, be, you can't have a more Columbus, Ohio job for the guys out there that, don't know anything about Columbus, Ohio. It's it's the home of the limited brands, which is I mean, there's like three or four of them, but Victoria's Secret's the most well known, right? And so that's a very if if you if you if you went from there to a Buckeye football game, you've had the complete Columbus experience <laughs> in one day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and during during the time I was at um, at uh, Victoria's Secret, probably towards the latter part of it, I did go to to. Um, I was still using my, my, my improv skills, just kind of working on them and stuff. But I took a weekend immersion class up at Second City in Chicago and spent three days with a group of, well, there was an ER doc, cardiologist, project manager, waitress slash actress. Mm -hmm. I was a, you know, the accountant that came together for three days. And, and all this applying of the improv principles just brought it all way back up. And that's when I, that's when I really realized, okay, there's, so, there's really something here. Let's see what it can do. So right. I, you know, 21 days, create a habit. I said, I got to do this each and every day. Gotcha. So you, that's a very diverse group of people you mentioned. It's kind of, it's kind of like the Comedy Village people. Exactly. <laughs> you got everybody in there except for the construction worker. Um, and there no, may have been may one. Have, may have been one. <laughs> yeah. So you got to do the, the deep immersion, and then you said, I want to keep this going. Yeah, I was 30-something. Uh, you know, at the time, I was working at uh, a university, doing a lot of different things with them. And actually, I talked to the university about building a business course based off of improv. And they really liked the idea, but I, n I never fully got it executed. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, too, did, did you stop doing stand-up, or were you still writing a little bit of that on the side? And well, you know, What was the yeah. ratio of work, comedy, and improv? R Rick, you know stand-up. You know what the difference between stand-up and heroin is? <laughs> you can quit heroin? Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It gets in your blood, doesn't it? It gets in your blood. Uh, actually, I was doing a little bit of stand-up on the side. I was always trying to continue to write, mm -hmm. continue to... But actually, around that point in time, I, I think it was 2006 was the last time I did stand-up. Mm -hmm. But I kept doing with the Yes End. I, I haven't let Yes End keep doing, keep writing. You know, I worked with you on, on writing stuff on your online, you know, comedy uh, class, which is, is well, well done. I Thank mean, you. That is, that is awesome. And for those of you who are listening... Awesome. <laughs> Thanks. I didn't pay him to say that, but I might have to pay him afterwards. <laughs> That's nice. But that was cool when I saw you sign up for that because it was interesting to me because I know you've done stand-up before and you, you do improv. And uh, just like Karen Eddington, who is another guest on a, a different podcast, she was already doing it, but she found a way to get better at it and find some shortcuts in the writing and find 
you know, at least a few things that kind of crystallized it for her. Like, oh, this is the one thing that I needed to like flip the switch. Exactly. So, and, and I built, I started building my speaking business mm-hmm. at the time, which I, is what you do now, which solely, is solely. Okay. And what I did find when I was teaching at the university, when I was doing any type of presentations, the more humor that I could bring in, the more people stayed awake. Yeah. The more they were able to retain. And there's a, a OU Ohio University professor named Mel Herlitzer who's written uh, a comedy comedy writing secrets or whatever. Yeah. He had a he had a quote that he used. It goes, "It's not what's taught at a university; it's what's caught." And if he can make his students laugh, then he could spoon in knowledge. Right. So, I'm 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 the CEO of my own business, and CEO stands for Chief Edutainment Officer, because I believe I, I use my humor make people laugh in order to retain so that's what I've been able to keep doing the comedy and use my improv skills because when you're in front of an audience you got to think quickly on your feet really quick <laughs> really really twice quick. as fast as they do so you can beat them to it exactly and especially you're getting questions and answers Q&A session that you've really got to be and I've relied on it and, and it's, it served me very very well so now that you're doing the speaking and you've got the humor incorporated into it, uh, you don't have to give us a specific formula, but how do you start your speech with some laughs to kind of win them over and then segue into your presentation and then finish up with laughs? I mean, that's kind of yes. the way I do it, so I'm just curious on your end. Exactly. So what's the best type of humor to use? Self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's the big elephant in the room? My name sounds like a drink. Right. right. It's, it's pronounced like, hey, so, hey, we have a margaritas? Yeah. yeah. So I give them, the, you know, it should be pronounce margaritas and go down that line I get them laughing uh, and then I start easing into the material and then at times I, I don't have a script I know what I want to say but I also read the audience mm-hmm. and if something just pops in my head that I, I think is funny I'll just re-engage them um, I throw it out there a, a recent example is I was speaking somewhere and, and I was just started sweating I could feel my body temperature rise to felt like like 300 degrees and I took off my coat and I looked out to the crowd. I said, is menopause contagious? Because <laughs> my wife's going through menopause and I'm having hot flashes right now. <laughs> and that just kind of re- re-engaged the room, reset the room, and just kept moving forward from there. That's cool. And yeah. do you, uh, one, one technique I use is, is right before the takeaway, I kind of give the takeaway mm-hmm. and then I, I do a story. They don't really know until the very last few words of the story that that's relating to the takeaway. And then I restate the takeaway. So there's like an anchor right in the middle. So if they missed it beforehand, now they're laughing. And then as soon as they get that last little laugh out, I hit them with that serious takeaway again. Do you have a a technique like that that you utilize? Or is it kind of more sporadic with the improv background? It's it's, it's more sporadic with the improv background. I try to, uh, on those real big takeaways I want them to to do something with, I try to mention that at least three times Mm -hmm. within that segment. Um, But I... I don't use really an orga- uh, a, a technique. It's more organic. But the, the technique, if there is a technique, it's, okay, if this is what I want them to walk away from. I hit them, hit them, and hit them. And, and normally it's like, okay, remember, remember, yes and. Right. Okay, and give an example. Uh, tell them a story. And then what is it again, yes and? And actually, I have um, um, uh, cufflinks recently made that have yes on one and and on the other one. Oh, that's interesting. And the publisher of my of my book, I sent him a, a pair of cufflinks. 
says, yes, Shannon, actually, he's here at the conference today, and he's actually wearing them. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I'm not, maybe I need to do something like that, little handcuffs with Barney Fife on them. <laughs> exactly. Barney and Fife. <laughs> that's cool. So so your your program is called Yes And. Is that correct? Or do you have a variety of programs you do with your speaking? I have a variety of programs. I guess my key signature uh, keynote right now is my book, Improv is No Joke, Using Improvisation to Create Positive Results in Leadership in Life. From that, and, and the chapters in my book are a lot along the lines of the, my programming. And my target market is accountants, CPAs, but this really applies across all industries, like networking. I've, I'm, I think my next book I'm going to write is going to say networking. Even accountants can mingle. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Get your numbers mixed up, people. Mingle. Mingle. Just go mingle. <laughs> and I, I use yes and in that fact of like going, well, why do you... Why is it so hard for you to network? Well, I'm shy. I'm introverted. I, I, well, use yes and to get past that. Don't think, oh, I can't do this. Say, yes and, I can do this. I was a naturally shy person, and I still am to a point. And it takes me a lot of energy sometimes to get through that wall, and the only way I can get through that wall is really those two words. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, it's weird. I'm really naturally shy. Like, I walk into a room with 300 people, I'll go stay in the corner, you know? <laughs> But I've, I've, this is the great, con any conference is great to like get yourself out of that shell a little bit. You yeah. know, I'll find like lunchtime, I'll just go s sit at a table with a bunch of people I don't know and have salad. And then I'll get up and I'll have the, the main course with another group of people I don't know. And if I got dessert, I'll sit at a different table. So I, I'm trying to, you know, I think these are eight top tables. So you yeah. can meet 20 something people or you could just meet the seven. Yeah. So I try to get around as much as I can. And then I and that's just all in one hour. Then I go chill out for an hour because yeah. the other half of me needs to just. Oh, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a little claustrophobic, I find. And these big groups, uh, there's not that many places to kind of go chill. Yeah, I, I think we we have a lot in common that way because I'm the same thing. I love that technique. Actually, I I I'm going to start using that technique. The table uh, technique. The table yeah. technique. I think you should get that trademark. The table technique. The table technique. Well, the one thing I guess last year at one of these conferences, I. You know, after about 10 minutes, you were introduced to everybody. And then really, if you didn't have a common ground with somebody or a way to help them or something that was, you were interested in, then you just sat there and stared at your bread the rest of the time yeah. and try to pull it apart as slowly as you could. <laughs> you know? So instead of just being awkward, I just tell them, hey, I'm just going to have salad real quick. Uh, what do you guys do? And, and I've met some really cool people here, um, some people that have some overlapping interests and, and skill sets and speeches, but quite a few people that... Uh, and, and honestly, some bizarre things that they speak about. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, this is why I got out of the, the other table early real quick. I was sitting there, and uh, we went around, and this, I said this one lady was just sitting there. I'm like, so what do you talk about? She goes, I talk about the study of the human mouth. I can look at a human mouth. Like, she's using the term human mouth and analyze it. And I can tell a lot about that person by the way they eat. And I'm sitting there finishing my salad. <laughs> I literally just covered up my mouth and said, all right, well, it's been nice to know you. I got to get out of here. But like, You didn't ask her? <laughs> I'm like, can you? That's like the weirdest thing in the world. Like, uh, the only thing weird would be like somebody saying, I look at people's eyes. And when they divert their eyes, I can tell what's in their soul. Oh, really? I don't, I'm going to move this table or turn out the lights, one of the two. But you, here you meet a lot of interesting people. There's a Forrest Gump impersonator that walking around. Yeah. Uh, there's, I saw Barney Fife, I think, earlier. <laughs> yeah. That's the one thing I, I said I'll never do is put on that uniform and walk around something like this. But but the Forrest Gump guy looks pretty much like him. I'm yeah. trying to get a picture. So that's cool. So so with your book now, this is, this is pretty fresh off the press. I remember last year at the same time, you were just getting the whole process started. And I, I've got the book right here. I'm checking it out. 
looks great. Everything here is you know, using improvisation to create positive results in leadership and life. And now you have this book. I'm just curious because I'm thinking about a couple of books. Mm-hmm. Has it helped you in, in the door opening process with meeting planners and, and people like that? I mean, I'm sure that's one of the goals with the book, right? Right. I'm starting that process. Uh, this is a very well done um, door opener mm-hmm. business card. I'm starting that process of sending it out to prospects, to current clients, and, and trying to increase my lead generation with them. What I have found is, prior to this book, I can't tell you if I ever got one bit of spinoff business. Really? I've got four opportunities already from this book on spinoff business. That's great. And I'm going, okay, so when people say being an author increases that credibility, that authority, that go-to person that separates, yeah, I kind of, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, 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 it works. But you've seen firsthand now that yeah. instantly it pretty much said, okay, this guy's got more to offer. And he's, it's it's funny, like, you know, I give my, my Mayberry speech, and, you know, each section could be a chapter. I give the speech in 30, 60, 90 minutes, depending on what they want. But when you show them a book, you can also show them what we're not covering today. Mm-hmm. And if you want to have me come back, here's the three other points that we can talk about. Or if you if your group enjoyed what they heard today, why don't we provide everybody in the group with this book so they can take it another step and get a little deeper into it. So, you know, having that book, that's something you can wave right in front of people and leave them with and include. It's really, really well done. Uh, anything you want to tell me about that process or anything in the book before I let you go? Because I want, I want to make sure people know about it. Well, I, I, I think the, uh, the book is only 150 pages. And it was done really, if you think about the attention span of most people today in busy work, don't have time. You give them a 300, 350-page book, it's, they're probably not going to get through it. Right. So it's strategically designed to be something and easy to read and I'll, I'll say easy to apply only if you consistently do the work. Mm-hmm. What I've also found with this is I'm speaking next month to the Association for Legal Administrators. They couldn't really pay me to speak, but they agreed to buy my book. I'm using this book in marketing to go, and you know what? Why not? I've got a whole day course because the chapters are, right. I can do it. So part of the seminar is everybody's part of it going into the cost. Everybody's getting a copy of the book. Cool. Um, so, and, and it's on Amazon.com. Uh, it's on Barnes & Noble. We had a, uh, uh, Advantage Media had a, um, uh, a New York Times uh, press release. And also my book cover was on one of those big jumbotrons yeah, in downtown, yeah, I saw that. downtown Times Square. And the book is, I'll give you, I think the best example I can give about the power of improv in business and getting what you want. I'm a CPA. During this, I've never said I was a managing partner. I never said I was a CFO, a controller, or senior vice president of investments. I'm me. But I decided at one point in my life, I wanted to aspire to the role of chair of the Ohio Society of CPAs executive board. Now, if I looked at the resume of the past 100 people that came behind me, I had none of that that they had because they were all partners, CFO, controller. But I silenced that inner critic who started the conversation with me going, you don't have the credentials. You're not a partner. I flipped that around and said, you know, I need to volunteer more. I need to get more visible within your organization. I need to get... I, get, I need to get to know the staff a lot better, yes, and. I need to get to know the CEO a lot better, and yes, and, yes, and. 
And in June of 2010, I was installed as the chair. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. You snuck in, buddy. I snuck in, and, and I don't ever think there'll be another one quite like me <laughs> in that role. Right. Any, any parting thoughts? And, and definitely let us know where we can find out more about you. I'll have links to his book and everything in the show notes so you guys can check him out. Uh, Peter, a few parting words for us. I, I think one of the other key principles of improvisation, it's called listen and focus. And focus is being in the moment. But it's listening to understand, not listening to respond. Because when you do an improv, if if your actor goes, your your your, your teammate goes, hey, it looks like it, it looks like it could be raining later today. Why is could it be raining? It's it's crystal clear, clear blue skies. Well, obviously you didn't listen to what the person was saying. So an improv, listening to understand is dropping your agenda, no, or parking your agenda, mm-hmm. listening to the words that are coming out of the person's mouth. And when they're done actually pausing for a moment to gather your thoughts, think about the experiences that you have, think about the products, the education, whatever that can help you have that response to them that actually meets their needs and wants. But too many times we got products and services to sell somebody that when we ask them what's keeping you up at night and they're telling you their story, and as soon as they're done, well, I think you should try this. Right. But it's not the product that they need. And the client or customer said, going, you didn't listen to a word I said. Yeah. So listening to understand is, is allowing for the pause. It, it, it's all about not interrupting. It's letting someone finish their train of thought, even though they might speak a little slower than mm-hmm. others. But let them get it out and then think about it and then respond. Yeah. That's one of the big keys. That's cool. I think it's great advice. I hope you guys... Lock that down. Make sure you check out Pete's book. It'll be on the website in the show notes. Even if you're listening in iTunes, you can click our little picture, and on the back it'll flip around, and you'll be able to click right over to it and check it out as well. Peter, thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. This has been great. It's been good to catch up with you, too. Yeah, it has been. Thanks a lot. Okay. Take care, bud. All right. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.